0: The British people have voted to leave the European Union. I will not relent
1: in waging the struggle for freedom and security for the American people. La et la Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to The Shadow of the Future, our podcast on global politics, all the way from Budapest. Today, we bring you the second part of our interview that we had with Rui Tavares, a former member of the European Parliament and the rapporteur of the famous Tavares Report of 2013. After we have been revisiting the report in the first episode, this time we asked Hui about his views on the current situation between Hungary and the European Union. So it's good stuff. I hope you can stick around. My name is Monica Silva. I'm co-hosting with Nino Basaria, who is going to dig in actually right away. So let's touch upon the situation that we have today. Um, last year, when the European Union tried to link the funding of the seven year budget and the coronavirus recovery plan with respect for the rule of law, Hungary and Poland vetoed. Did we actually reach the point where we are monetizing values?
0: Um, of course, you have to link the use of the budget uh, and the use of any European funds to EU values. That's only, you know, that's an obligation that uh, arises from the treaties. There is no exception if you have Article 2 and you say that, you know, these are the values that the EU is, you know, established upon. It's like saying, like, you know, these are the foundations to our common house. And then imagine that you're saying these are the foundations to our common house, but then the rooms of the house or the kitchen of the house or whatever, it's completely outside these foundations. It makes no sense. And... In something as important as the EU budget, which is central in the EU as a budget is always central in any kind of political entity, you cannot say, you know, we have to abide by the values of the European Union in everything except the most important thing that we do every seven years, which is to decide on our, you know, financial framework for the budgets of the European Union. So, of course, there has to be a link. And it's actually a big mistake that a link did not exist before. I was just saying before that I don't think it's the main tool or that it is the ideal tool to deal with the fundamental rights crisis. But this is, you know, uh, I think very clear that there has to be a link. Uh, And then you have a problem of corruption. You know, uh, clearly there's lots of money involved in the European Union. There will be more. The European Union will uh, need to have own resources. the The budget will have to increase if you want the European Union to do everything that we want to do. You know, fight coronavirus, uh, be a geopolitical, uh, you know, uh, entity. Fight climate change. You need lots of more money. You know, fight a, a, a asymmetrical crisis in the eurozone. Have everybody in the euro. You have to have a huge budget. If you have a huge budget, but you don't have control mechanisms, you are uh, setting yourself for a big, big problem. So already the Lisbon Treaty had foreseen that you should have an European public prosecutor office and a common criminal law in order to deal with these problems. Uh, Let me give you an example. In the European Parliament, uh, there appeared once a group of journalists from a British tabloid and they proceeded to convince members of the European Parliament to sell amendments to laws for money. This was, of course, a, you know, a, this was a kind of a stink operation. It was not true corruption, but they got six members of the European Parliament to believe that this was for real and to actually accept to sell, uh, uh, you know, amendments for money, which is obviously in. Anywhere in the world, it has to be a crime, right? You know, selling legislation for money. Uh, You know what happened? Some of the politicians, one of the politicians was in jail, one Austrian politician. But for instance, a Romanian politician was still an MEP. And he was still in the European Parliament until the end of the mandate. Why? Because the legal framework was different in Austria and Romania. And we did not have an EU framework for a crime that was typically an EU crime. So you have to develop that. That's why you have now the, you know, enhanced cooperation of the European Public Prosecutor's Office, uh, whose main mandate is to, uh, uh, um, you know, prosecute crimes of violation of the integrity of the EU budget. So already there, again, you have a link between the budget and correct procedures. Now, maybe by chance, or maybe not, Hungary is not in the European Public Prosecutor's Office. The government decided to not enter that, you know, uh, enhanced cooperation to deal with the integrity of the European budget. And Poland is also not there. So by omission, what these governments are telling us is that they don't care about the integrity of the European budget. Whereas they are the main recipients of funds from this budget. Um, Portugal, by the way, which is also a big recipient of money from the EU, is in the European Public Prosecutor's Office. Then we go to discuss the, the, you know, the new multi-annual financial framework and the big Recovery and Resilience Fund, Next Generation EU. And these governments say that if they have to respect rule of law, in the use of these funds, they will veto the funds. So what are they saying implicitly, but in a way that is so loud that everybody in Europe can, uh, uh, you know, hear they are saying that they do not accept using our money, our joint money from everybody, unless they can use it in an opaque way that is uh, prone to corruption. Well, I think that is clearly unacceptable for a majority of the public opinion of almost all countries in the EU. And quite understandably, a big majority of the public opinion in countries that are putting more money in the budget. Uh, In the end, because money is such a delicate subject for um, the Hungarian government and for the Hungarian prime minister himself, they had to backtrack. They presented this as a big victory, uh, which, you know, uh, of course, the, the press... The domestic press that is now completely co-opted has repeated, but it was not a victory. It was a big defeat. Uh, They could not go on to veto the budget and and the new funds. What they got in turn was a kind of a promise that the new rule of law mechanism would be used in a fair way, which of course it will be used, that would be... Uh, used in a fact-based bas- way, which of course it will be used, you know, the same criteria that I applied in, in my, in my report. Um, I think that the, all this is coming to a head. And, uh, you know, the, the, you, you feel that from, uh, a problem that was kind of a background noise that some people could hear, but not everybody could hear, the rule of law Issue has really become a rule of law crisis. The tension is building up, and I think that uh, until you know the the, the mid of the twenty twenty decade, this will have to get solved. Because don't forget, in two thousand and twenty uh, four and and two thousand and twenty five, you will have two presidencies of the European Union: the Polish presidency and the Hungarian presidency. If this rule of law issue is not addressed in a satisfactory way by then. The European Union will be showing, uh, you know, a, a lack of respect for its own values in a moment in international politics with the new Biden presidency where that, you know, cannot just go on. Uh, so let's see. I'm anxious to see the the, the you know, the next episodes.
1: Regarding again the Tavares report of 2013, at the time he said in an interview and I quote If we abandon the country of the European Union to a backslide in democracy and rule of law, it is worst for all of us. End quote. On the other side, regarding the recent situation of the Hungarian and Polish veto, You actually wrote that the EU should move on with the 25 countries who are willing to comply with the budget conditionality and leave Hungary and Poland aside. Wouldn't this be a case of abandonment?
0: Uh, I I did hear your point, and I think it's a a, a well-made point. But, you know, see it the other way around. The EU would be abandoned either its values or the citizens of, you know, the other 25 member states, if they would say to, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Orban and Kaczynski, uh, okay, uh, you know, 25 other governments have agreed that we are going to raise, uh, EU debt. It's a huge step for the first time we will have something that is, you know, federal debt in the European union. Uh, we are going to put our, you know, contributions to the EU on the line to guarantee this debt. And this is what it's needed to fight, you know, global pandemic and the very, very deep recession that will certainly turn into, you know, the, the, the greatest depression in maybe, you know, more than one century, including the Great Depression of the 30s. And because you are vetoing this, we are not going to do it. So you will have huge unemployment across Europe and people will suffer because you refuse to accept that money has to be used in a way that is, uh, you know, responsible, uh, uh, legally sound, and that respects the EU values. Or else, you know, because two countries veto uh, 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 the, the use of values in the budget. Okay. We'll just do the budget without the values. You, you know, can do, you can use it how, how however you want it. Uh, it's the biggest budget in the history of the EU, the biggest funds, and you can enrich yourselves if you want to. You are not part of the European Public Prosecutor's Office. You do not accept rule of law oversight. And you know the cases that are raised by what we do have, which is the uh, uh, um, the, the anti fraud uh, office Olaf. Your n- national courts do not follow up on them, because we know via you know European Parliament reports that your national courts are already co opted by the political power. So you have built a perfect system for the misuse of funds and what we say is go ahead and use your system. Uh, That that will be absurd. That will be an abandonment of the values of the European Union. It will completely, and this is completely consistent with what I was saying in the beginning, is that if you undermine the values of the European Union, you have no credibility and you will follow the way of the League of Nations. Maybe you exist, but you become an irrelevant entity. And because you have admitted defeat against authoritarians, it will happen that, you know, politicians all across the union will do the same things. Why not, you know, uh, get rich and powerful as my next door neighbor uh, did when he was in government? He didn't suffer any consequences and they were giving him money on top of that, so I'll do the same. The European Union would completely collapse, the European promise would collapse again. Okay, so it is the veto of Mr. Orban and Kaczynski that puts the European Union in a position where either the European Union abandons its values or abandons its people, and it can do neither, whereas you have in the treaties... Uh, uh, an article on enhanced cooperations where it says clearly um, that if not all member states want to advance in a way, uh, in the same way, by doing something together, then the member states that can do it can advance. This has been used many times. Uh, it also exists, for instance, in a federation like the United States. They have what they call, it's in the constitution, it's called compacts, you know. If, uh, uh, you know, uh, six or seven or in the case of the European Union is a minimum of nine states can move forward on something, uh, you know, then uh, they can. It, it still has to be approved by the council. But, you know, the only difference is that, you know, those who want to be in are in, those who want to be out are out. This is completely respecting the sovereignty of uh, every member state. And as I surmised in that article that you read recently, the idea alone to use an enhanced cooperation, just voicing it and making it public and showing as you know, the European Commission and some governments did uh, right before the last summit, that they were willing to do it, it will be enough to change the minds of the Hungarian and the Polish government. Because let's be clear about something. We know that money is an important issue for the individuals in the circle of the government, the chief of government, the party in government. This money is being used, is making fortunes for people. And uh, it's also allowing them to win elections. So in the end, I think that, you know, talking about enhanced cooperation, it is good to have there as a possibility. It is not abandoning anyone, you know, because you can always enter in an enhanced cooperation Uh, later on, if you want. But it's, you know, making the government of the member state itself facing its responsibilities. Okay, if you want to use money with no oversight whatsoever, go ahead, but do it with your money, not with my money. This is the way that, you know, maybe the the Dutch prime minister put it. And I think at this point, he has a right to uh, say it in such a frank way. You know, do what you want to do, but not with my money. If you want to do something together and raise debt together, we are going to do as, you know, uh, neighbors in a, in a building do. If we want to repair the roof and we are going to use the uh, money of everybody, we have to reach a consensus. And the consensus is that you have to use it in a way that is rule of law abiding. So I think it's, it's, it's a, a very clear logic. While at the same time I say that it's a pity that we have arrived at this point where values and money are being discussed in the same, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the same summit. At the same time, I say it's inevitable. You know, the council did not want to, to do anything else up until now. And now it's where, you know, the tension is building up and the problem will eventually have to be solved or if not solved, the European Union um, completely, uh, you know, um, uh, out of its credibility.
1: I wanted to ask you, what is your opinion on the future of EU hunger relations and how do you think it will evolve in the long term?
0: Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, we we usually ask these kind of questions of, of you know, uh, analysts or, or commentators as if they were outside observers. So the first thing that I want to, you know, make clear in my answer is that uh, we don't have to answer this question as if we are not the ones that have to provide an answer to it. And when I say we is the Hungarian people, Uh, you know, uh, EU citizens, uh, people who love democracy in the continent and all around the world are part of this. We, all together, we have to, you know, provide an answer to that question. If we do, I am optimistic. I am completely convinced that the Hungarian people uh, sees itself as part of the European family, as they are rightfully, Uh, that the Hungarian people also understands, as we've been seeing in some polls, actually, that, you know, using EU funds in a rule-of-law-abiding way, it's not a threat. It's something that protects everybody, also protects the interests of the Hungarian citizens themselves. Uh, And I'm even completely sure that you know, Hungarian citizens understand European history and they know that we really must jointly defend democracy. Uh, or if we abandon, you know, one country to authoritarianism, then others will follow. Uh, I think that, you know, it is possible, it's not guaranteed, but it is possible that uh, Hungarian citizens will take this, this uh, problem in their own hands, democratically, by voting, by inventing ways of uh, uh, organizing themselves uh, and reaching the standards that they have always wanted to reach, you know, since the 1989 revolution and even before. They want to be an European country. They want to be a very developed country and economy. They want to be, uh, you know, legally sound, non-corrupt, uh, society that is inclusive, that has prosperity for all. And the best way to achieve it is to be in the European Union and uh, uh, respect the values of the European Union that are also Hungarian values. That, that, that is why, in the beginning of the report, we decided to, to start it with a, a couple of, you know, a sentence by uh, Petofi Sandor, the Hungarian national poet, where he says, where there are no hide where there are no rights there is no homeland you know a homeland is something that is built on rights on the upon the foundation of rights and that is true for Hungary as a nation that is also true for the European Union as a union uh, and when the civil society of Hungary uh, organizes itself in a way where it balances power, does not let power be concentrated only upon, you know, the hands of, of very few people. Uh, I think that maybe what, you know, a future Hungarian parliament will do, uh, maybe tasked with constitutional powers, is that they will go back to the Tavares report, to the Sargentini report. To the reports of the Venice Commission, to, you know, this kind of documents, to reports of the Council of Europe, and they will use these reports as a historical document. That, that is also something in which, you know, my, my, my uh, vocation as an historian was important there. You know, some people will, would ask, why are you doing this report? Because, you know, Orban will deny everything. And he will resist doing, following, you know, even a single recommendation of your report. And that that was an important question that, you know, got me thinking. And in the end, I thought, even if this report achieves nothing, even if, you know, the Hungarian government does not go back on controlling the media, controlling the judiciary, and then doing even, you know, Uh, things like expelling a university from Hungary, etc., etc., even if this doesn't change anything today, well, tomorrow a new day will come. And people who wish to know where did the Hungarian government started to diverge from the European values they will go to the newspapers. They will, you know, uh, look up, uh, look up on the internet, and they will say, "Well, when this happened, there was this report in the European Parliament, and here we have a list. It's all organized. All these facts. What happened? We can use this, this, and other reports, and kind of rebuild." the rule of law, uh, uh, you know, democracy uh, that we would have had had we not diverged from the European values. So this is at hand, you know, Uh, but only Hungarians themselves can do this. You know, the part of the European Union is an important one, uh, but it has gotten to the point where, uh, you know, now the European Union is not, Primarily worried with how things will play out, you know, uh, when we speak frankly about Article 2 and Article 7. They were, you know, the governments were very tactical before. Now they are being more frank. And if you ask them how will this play out inside Hungary, some will say, well, maybe, you know, the Hungarian government will use this to turn people against the European Union. That's a risk. Maybe the Hungarian people will uh, understand that their interest lies with the European Union. In any way, this is something for Hungarians to choose. What cannot be imposed upon the rest of the European Union is for us to forfeit our values in order to suit the interests of Mr. Orban. That cannot go any longer. And I think that many governments in the EU will not accept it. Now, you know, the, 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 the rule of law crisis is out there in the open for everyone to see, and it will soon reach a stage where uh, everybody, including the Hungarian people, will make their decisions.